Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Here at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their passion. Today, you get to listen to our monthly luncheon keynote from an experienced and practical business leader in our area. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to podcast number two of the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake. I'm really excited to share with you my conversation that I had with Sergeant Luke Sherman. Um, so what I want to do is I want to go ahead and read a little intro, little bio of him, and then we'll get into uh, my conversation with him. So check this out. Sergeant Luke Sherman is a 24-year veteran of the Tulsa Police Department. He holds a bachelor's degree in science and criminal justice from Northeastern State University in Oklahoma. He was promoted to the rank of sergeant in 1999 and has supervised numerous different patrol squads, as well as vice task force groups and detective division units. He currently supervises both police units fugitive warrants unit, as well as the U.S. Marshals Task Force group responsible for the Northern District of the state of Oklahoma. He has also been awarded numerous awards, uh, including the prestigious Medal of Valor Award. Sergeant Sherman joined the Tulsa Police Department's Special Operations Team in 1995, and as a member of that team, he served as tactical operator, assistant team leader, and also assistant team commander. Luke has been involved with tactical instruction for the past 16 years and is currently in his 11th year as an instructor instructor for the NTOA, teaching basic and advanced SWAT, as well as many other advanced tactics. He has instructed on the state, national, and international level for the NTOA. Luke also owns his own company specializing in top-tier security consulting work. His company provides security consulting services for both local and national levels. Wow, that's kind of a mouthful, but I'm really eager for you to hear what Luke has to share with us. You know, when I talk to him, he just admits confidence and wisdom, and I'm really excited to present to you Sergeant Luke Sherman. All right, everybody, welcome. This is episode two of the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. So thank you for joining us. Uh, today, we have Luke Sherman with us. He was our speaker back in June. And uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to do this podcast is kind of allow our speakers to further develop some of the talking points that they had and also kind of reconnect with them a little bit after they had a chance to talk to the group. So Luke, first of all, welcome. Thank you for coming. And uh, we really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Now, back in June, you spoke about service and leadership. And I think for our group, that's definitely one of the things that uh, is really key for young businessmen as they're kind of uh, growing in, in their roles as, as leaders or growing in their roles from uh, you know, being the leader of their family. Uh, and serving, obviously, service is, is a huge part of being a leader. So uh, I want to definitely dive into that a little bit. But let's let's go ahead and check in with you. Like, what have you really been up to since we uh, since we last saw you in June? 
Uh, just more of the same. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed uh, 24 years with Tulsa Police Department. Um, extremely busy there. That's a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, but uh, the only thing that's probably changed is that I'm not in my full-time mode of, of, of a campaign for the sheriff's office. I'm still running a fugitive unit, extremely busy with that. Um, still running as a director with the national group. We've really launched a huge initiative on on professionalism and actually accreditation of, of gaining wisdom and knowledge from our SWAT operators and tactical critical decision makers all over the country. So those things have really been uh, busy. I've got a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old playing football and, and a oh, family. Awesome. So, so those things that, you know, the good old American pastime of football, that's kept us busy as well. But uh, blessed, just moving forward at the speed of light. Oh, that's fantastic. I got a six-year-old and an eight-year-old playing football. So you, yes. you got a little bit of experience on me, but, yeah, we're definitely enjoying that. So that's awesome. One right. of the things I did want to kind of check in with you because, you know, since the sheriff race has happened, uh, I know that you did not get the final nomination uh, to go into the actual race. Um, but one of the things that we want to do as, as, as leaders or as, as businessmen is, you know, we're going to deal with, with setbacks. We're going to deal with, you know, what we may consider at the time to be failures and those kinds of things. Uh, I would love to get your, your insight or uh, kind of a window into your mind in terms of like how you dealt with that. I mean, uh, going into the race, I, I felt like, um, you know, you were a really top contender in that and, and you definitely carried a, a great race uh, against your opponent. But when it all came down and, and the votes came in, you know, we, we, we fell short. So how do you uh, or what would you say to somebody who's dealing with a setback uh, in their life? Or, you know, how did you deal with that in, in terms of um, getting through that and kind of moving forward from that point? Well, it, great question. Um, and this is something that's sort of the fiber of, of what, man, I was built for and, and sort of the fiber of where, where my father and my mother brought me up. Adversity is, is part of life, period. Um, it's not how you deal with the adversity normally at the time. Now, that may be qualified where certain people would say, well, how is he handling the adversity? It's really how you balance um, coming away from adversity. So you always want to, I'm a glass, you know, people say glass half empty, glass half full person. Uh, my position with it is I always look at the positivity side of things. What can I do? If I drop a football in a football game, what's the adversity? You drop the football. How are you going to recover from that? And even those small little analogies of, of that with my 16-year-old son, those come to you know, they become relevant, but we're handling it, man. What a blessing. Amazing exposure. Um, we, we open the eyes and ears of Tulsa County to different ways that, that potentially law enforcement can, can serve. Um, although we weren't the winner and, and we wish, we wish that that group the best moving forward. But at the same point, um, the, the, the opportunities and the exposure for me has been just dramatic. Um, so I, I look at it as a blessing. Um, we're relieved because there's some pressure we're not dealing with. But at the same point, uh, man, I'm still I had a person at a football game come up to me last night and uh, just uh, express their position on, on lamenting the issue that I didn't win. But at the same point, saying carry the mission forward. Um, big things, good things for us in the future. And uh, as every door closes, uh, others open. And that's the way I look at life. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. I mean, uh, as you go through life, failure is. Uh, or setbacks that's just a, that's a part of life and and one of the the quotes that I heard a long time ago that really kind of impacted me was you know all those struggles all those adversities that you face in life are steps to a platform and you're you're taking a step time after time after time 
And when it's all said and done or when you get to a certain point, that platform is going to be something that gives you uh, a position to speak to people that you may have never had before. So you, you, you're, you're, you're going through these struggles, you're going through these things, and who knows, maybe later on in life you'll be in a position where you can build on those failures or you'll build on those setbacks um, so that it can propel you to the next level. And so I think that's awesome that you have that kind of mentality. And, and I really encourage our listeners to, to really uh, tune into that because that's definitely something that we can use to grow uh, in our life. One of the other things I wanted to kind of uh, touch base with you on is, um, you know, every time, and actually when you spoke, I wasn't at the meeting, I was out of town, but um, t- traditionally uh, we give you a, a real short amount of time to talk. And uh, there, so, you know, sometimes there's, you know, topics that you've missed or talking points that you've missed. So I want to open this kind of portion of, of our, our, our talk up to you uh, to kind of say, you know, hey, what, what were some of the things that you didn't get to say to the group that you would love to uh, uh, kind of address now or, or further develop? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question because, you know, you come away from a, a speech or you come away from a conversation and you always think, man, I should have said or I wish I had said. Um, I felt like we, we hit on the points that I wanted to hit on there. But at the same point, um, as, as the world moves, as incidents occur, as things happen in life, you, you look back at things you talked about and you say, was there a good application of the thought process that I had in mind? And one of the things you and I conversed over was how are we as a community, business, law enforcement, city government, um, citizens, how are we handling the episodes and the issues that have just recently reared their, their ugly head? And ugly head is, is, is a word that I would say it is. Yeah. Um, with some of the, just the constant consternation and, and sort of the ugly demeanor of, of America right now. But I, I say, what's next? What's the next, what's the second half of this game? How are we going to make ourselves better? How are we going to connect as a business community with law enforcement and our leadership? And that's really the vision that I'm moving forward with is, how can we actually take the thought process and put it into tangible, actual, physical, moving parts to make this community even stronger and better? All right, you spoke about the correlation of, of law enforcement and leadership, and I know you were kind of getting into it a little bit uh, just a couple seconds ago, but mm-hmm. um, especially with the events in, in Tulsa and Charlotte, and I know that you kind of addressed that a little bit, but how do, how do we address those challenges today with police force leadership and the perceived racial tensions? I mean, it seems like... Um, there's, I, I think both sides have have some valid points, but at the same time, it's just, it's like you said, it reared its ugly head. It's 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 the elephant in the room. Like, how do we how do we address that? I mean, uh, I, I think that as you look at how the situation kind of broke down, especially with the two things happening so closely together, there are right. two different responses uh, from the communities that are possible. Uh, I'm I'm proud to say that I feel like Tulsa responded in the the best way possible. Given right. the circumstances, but um, I'd love to get your your thoughts on that. And 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 in terms of uh, you know how how do we uh, as citizens uh, and and as a police leadership uh, address that? Well, a couple things. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a tinderbox. Our 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 country is right now a tinderbox. But <clears throat> with that in mind, there's millions and millions of police contacts every day. There's nine hundred thousand policemen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's 1.8 million first responders. So so what what we're seeing is we're seeing snapshots of situations that have gone foul, and those are being maximized um, to show that there's ambivalence or indifference or a pattern of practice um, where in fact those numbers really aren't accurate. So that's the first thing. But but 
one thing that I heard that was very interesting to me was that when you're dealing with confrontational issues, I believe you need to con- you need to confront the uncomfortable. We need to go right after it. Attack the things that we're not good at and work to improve them both physically and mentally. With In regard to Black Lives Matter, um, the one thing that I think I believe is all lives matter. But here's the, here's the downfall to a rebuttal of all lives matter to a person that says black lives matter is we have to connect. Um, we all believe in, in the good of, 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 of our country and Americans, but at the same point, we have to connect and communicate when somebody is expressing something that they're harmed or hurt or they're concerned about. Because I think the All Lives Matter rebuttal to a Black Lives Matter statement creates a disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I'll tell you is connect, communicate, listen, and understand. If we, if we really want to connect and we really want to communicate by listening, then we can connect with the Black Lives Matter movement and understand some of the heartache and the anguish that is occurring. Um, and I, I'll give you a, a, a biblical Acts seventeen twenty six. I was on the Deborah Sweeten show, and um, he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the surface of the earth. We are one blood, regardless of our race, creed, ethnicity. We are human beings, and and I know that it's it, you, somebody would say it's rhetorical for me to say we need to come together as a human race, but. But the bottom line is we are one blood, mm-hmm. and we need to understand each other. If I have a dif- disagreement with you, I need to listen to you. I need to empathize and listen and understand. We may not agree to we may agree to disagree, but at the same point, I think that that's what's missing in all of it. All of our lives matter, but at the same point, we need to connect and say what is the real root of this cause and come together as 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 human beings and Americans. Yeah, and, and one of the things that you really uh, that you said that really connected with me was. Uh, you talked about confronting the uncomfortable. Absolutely. And, uh, one of the things that I've really been cluing in on over this last year is the, the idea of being uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is outside of our comfort zone. It's, it's, it's something that we almost, as a human being, would resist. We, we try to avoid being uncomfortable all the time. But what I've learned over these last, uh, this last year or so is that Outside your comfort zone is where real learning happens. Outside of your comfort zone is where endurance happens, and it's where preparation happens to get you to that next level. And, and it's almost like we have, to, we have to focus on pursuing uncomfortability. In this instance, the uncomfortability came to us, right? Like it, yeah. there was a situation that happened, and we were all uncomfortable. I mean, I remember watching it just sitting there, like just hurting because I'm, I know um, – I, I'm able to see responses from both sides, and it's just like this is not a situation. This is this is delicate. This is something that you know I, I would hope that as a country we we would be passed, but you know it's mm-hmm. it's still it's still here. So right. uh, you know that right there, this uncomfortability is not something that we should uh, necessarily just try to push aside, um, but it, it's going to be uncomfortable to listen to the other side sometimes, even though right. we may disagree, but they may actually have some, some points that we need to hear and that, that will shift our mindset. And I think it's going to take, uh, I, I think it's going to take um, listening and understanding from both sides to come to that next level to where we can get past something like this. So, Well, and you're hitting something that's so significant in communication is communication is really about listening. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that nationally what we're seeing is the media is pushing an agenda of, of getting the story out 
but, but and I said it before and I say it to my kids all the time, but I say it in, you know, in my campaign, I say it to my troops at work, I say it to the people when I'm training all over the world is, give me your problems, but now let's develop the solutions. Yeah. And solutions really only come from understanding, which is part of that connection circle that I gave you. If I can understand, I, can, I get there by listening. I get there by empathizing and hearing what you're saying truly, not necessarily hearing it how I want to hear it, but hearing it through the matter of how you're pro, you know, projecting it to me. And that's where I think we're, we need to go on a national level. There are some issues that need to be addressed. Um, however, um, some, of the, some of the violence that the, in the vitriol that's come out of the BLM that is not necessarily the BLM, but it's people using that as a platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a little bit ugly, uh, but uh, you got to look through, through some of that. Yeah, I, I, one of the things that I, I was uh, talking to you about in the beginning was I, I think it's, it's easy for people to put everyone into a basket. So, like, so they think to themselves, okay, well, now all police officers are bad or all African-Americans are, black, are, are bad. And I, that's not the case. It's, it's, um, we, I think we can all agree that, um, that not all police officers are bad and not all African-Americans are bad. But the question is, how, so how do we protect police officers? So how do we support police officers without, um, you know, with, with, with knowing that there is going to be challenges on that? And, and then also s- support the African-American community uh, with, you know, again, they're not all, they're not all bad. But th- it, it, those two <laughs> groups clash. Uh, right. and that, that's almost like their job and it's, and it's, they have to protect themselves right. and they're putting, putting themselves in situations that a lot of people don't want to go into and they are held obviously to a higher standard. Um, but there's, I mean, it's, it's a razor thin line that they walk. Yeah. And I, to answer that, I think the best solution is, is for the YBT and the business owners of Tulsa in, in our small world of Tulsa, Oklahoma, to understand that there is an intersection between law enforcement and some of the African-American community. But it, it's not necessary. We're not as far off as, as people want to make it, where mm-hmm. there's great divide known as the Grand Canyon. Yeah. We are closer. Uh, the, the, the black leaders in Tulsa did an exceptional job um, working with the Tulsa Police Department and our leadership to ensure that this community stayed safe. In the in the in the aftermath of the Crutcher shooting, which is still an ongoing situation, and it's just a matter of all groups coming together and saying, "Okay, let's get into a room as adults, as businessmen, and and we may not in negotiations all agree a hundred percent, but let's 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 you know push through this process versus become standoffish and a hundred and eighty degrees from each other." Um, I think that that's the biggest thing. When when I sit down with with individuals that are heart have heartburn over a police related matter, it's we're closer than we think for a resolution. Right. It's just a matter of communicating, connecting, and actually listening and working through that process. That that's awesome. It, it's encouraging to hear that because I know you're really close to the situation, and and it always feels like you know obviously the news is 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 about selling ads right they want to get viewership right. they go, they want to get eyeballs so they're going to they're going to take the biggest thing and blow it up but uh it, it is it is refreshing to know and and again looking at how everything played out it's refreshing to see that yes there there is an issue we recognized it uh we're letting the the process work itself i mean there was another uh situation on uh, a couple of years ago um that i feel like Tulsa handled pretty well so if anything we can we can strive to be that example and, and speaking of being an example uh, what can we as, as business leaders do? I mean, the, the YBT is about uh, business leaders. It's about the business community stepping up and filling that void. If we don't act, if we don't do things on our end, 
to either show support or you know take a stand or those kinds of things, I don't think anybody will. I actually think that the business community, in, in form of uh, the business leaders, is one of the strongest uh, voices out there. And you know how can how can we be uh, vigilant in in supporting uh, law enforcement, but also supporting the other groups too? Well, that's one thing that really jumped out when I when I intersected with the YBT is 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 courage. Um, courage and, and, and zeal to, to, to move into areas, like you said, that, you, that we're not comfortable with. Those comfort zones are built for a reason, but uncomfortable situations only make you stronger. And, and they also make you more vested and more veteranized in how you're going to handle business. And, and we go back into it again, attack the unknown, get into those situations where, um, you know, I mean, you look way back in the biblical times and way back, you know, pre free America really being what it was, when you have folks that go into areas to spread the gospel, man, those were situations that were probably pretty uncomfortable and quite frankly dangerous. But if they didn't do that, then those people never heard that and uh, never heard the word. So it's one of those kind of situations like that where the YBT can continue to be a leader. But I, I heard this the other day, stand and, and stand with your shoulders back and your head held high um, in a non-compromising manner of the values and integrity that we believe in, but also reach across the aisle and put that hand out to those people that are hurting and want to be heard. And, and that's the theme of where I'm at in law enforcement and joined with YBT to say we're, we're not going to let this happen in Tulsa. And at the same point, we're going to set the model that the rest of the country can follow. I'm hearing that. I heard that from California. I heard that from Florida yesterday. I heard it from New Jersey and New York. And these guys are calling saying, what are you guys doing? What's in the water out there that causes you guys to be able to agree and actually sit down and talk about these issues versus burn your city down? Um, so I say, I say YBT can, can continue to lead it and continue to charge forward and set that example for the rest of the country. That's awesome. Well, one of the things that you actually spoke about to the group was sending, uh, you know, uh, sending 10 instead of 1,000 right. uh, into that community. And, and I think that's what you're talking about here, right? Well, sending 10 is, is I want to be able to connect to a point where there's such a familiarity with, with individuals that I don't need to send 1,000 people into an area to police it um, when I can send in 10 people to work with it. Um, there's a difference. And so that's that community-oriented type of deal. And the same applies um, in business. The business model that I believe in is, is really connecting versus just pushing money at, at a solution or, or at a problem. Um, and that's where I think uh, I think the YBT is is influential in my mind because there's actually a thought process wrapped around how can we be effective but better versus what kind of money can we just push at a solution building a, a pool or, or a basketball gym for kids in, a, in an area where they need it is fantastic but it isn't just that or it isn't just providing them with an, an outlet um, to, to, to go to and to have fun. It's about being there and intersecting with people. When they see humans, you don't see skin color. Exactly. When you know people, you don't, you don't identify, well, that's a black guy, that's a white guy. You just identify, that's Luke, that's Evan. Yeah. And, and that's what I believe in. As humans, that's what we're built to be, is we're built to intersect and, and really get to know the person. I think it would be so cool to have that mindset across this country. I mean... Imagine how much we could accomplish as Americans Absolutely. if we weren't, yep. you know, constantly infighting. That that's fantastic. I do want to get uh, a little bit further into uh, some of the things you talked about being a servant. 
Um, and I think that that's really key for a leader. You talked a lot about servant leadership and those kinds of things, and you quoted uh, Luke twenty two twenty six, which uh, mm-hmm. you said you did not write that book. Um, but no. obviously you're, you're very, uh, very drawn to, uh, the book of Luke for some reason, but, um, I, I wanted to kind of get your, uh, dive a little bit deeper into that statement of uh, talking about, uh, servant leadership. Uh, so, you know, with that, how, how do you apply servant leadership to what you do every day? Well, leaders serve their people, um, in times in police work when it's tough, the troops, even though they're all type A, they're all problem solvers, the troops polarize towards strong leadership. But it's not just strong leadership. It's leadership that gives them expectations of where we're going and what the journey is. Some of the best sailors in the world back in the days before they had all the, the geomapping and, and, the, and, their, and their electronics set the waypoints but were very clear about the expectations of how they were going to get to where they got to. So under stress, um, that is you have to serve your people by being, by being a servant in the fact that you're going to tell them what we're going to do and you're going to sacrifice your personal gain to make sure that the mission is accomplished. Um, in my normal life, I do that by living for others. There's times where you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Humans are intrinsically selfish. Um, that's, what, you know, that's part of our DNA. That's part, part of what we are. But, but if you really look at it from the perspective of, well, I want to do this, but what's my wife want to do? I want to do this, but what's Evan want to do? I want to do this, but what's, what is needed for my squad? What's the best example of how my squad can integrate into this operation? Um, that, at, at that point, I'm, I'm serving for others, and leadership is about that. Leaders serve their people, and their people produce for the leader. It's, it's, a, it's a give and a take. Uh, but by mentoring and putting that work in to help others succeed is, a, is, is something, you know, regardless if it's a common task or if it's something individually for those officers. That's the gift. Um, and giving is always better than getting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're getting uh, pretty close to time here, so I want to kind of end on this question. Um, I love stories. I love kind of hearing the, the personal feedback of things that you've gone through or things that you, you're working on. I think that's what people connect with the most. And so one of the, the talking points that you talked about in, uh, in your uh, address to the group was uh, you said that leadership is not about popularity. And obviously, we've talked a little bit about being uncomfortable, and we talked a little bit about, you know, just, you know, confronting things uh, that we don't necessarily want to confront. Um, but I would love for you to kind of tell me a story or, or give me an example of uh, an instance where you had to lead by example uh, when it wasn't popular and you knew it wasn't going to be popular and uh, kind of how you approached that and what the result of that was. Sure. An example of that was the Good Friday shootings. Uh, um I can't remember. I think that was maybe, seems like it was three or four years ago now, pretty uh, a, a mammoth instance and incident that actually went viral internationally. Um, people from England were calling about the shootings in, in North Tulsa, the Good Friday shootings. But that situation, I had, I was the field operations uh, boss on that. So I had all of the people involved with seeking, finding, locating, and capturing our bad guys. In those instances, massive amount of hours were extended, and, and, and the, the leadership that's not popular is at times you have to look at it and say, I've got to assign people to these meritless jobs um, that I would describe as, as non-desirable or, or not the most coveted jobs. Sit, watch this building for 17 hours, and, and you can't go to the bathroom, so you're going to have to <laughs> work quick trip cups, and, and those kind of jobs... Um, we're not the glamorous jobs of, of scooping the guy up and being on the camera, but in, in leadership, 
you understand that the mission is first and, and you're going to serve your people to the best of your abilities. But at times there's going to be jobs where you're going to have to put somebody in an uncomfortable situation or a situation where they don't necessarily want to be. And the, the beauty of that is to, to embrace that, but to put them in that position, but also to go through that journey with them. You can't bail on people and just say, you got to go work on this job or that, but, but to put people in those positions, um, is, is a tough situation for me. I'd even go further, the interactions as a boss, to be able to have interactions with my subordinates that are personal to me, that are close to me, but to adjust people's, their, their journey in their business and, and, in their, and in their operational life with me. There's times where I'll have to get a little bit sideways with a very, very good friend, but it's because I'm in the business of saving lives, citizens first and my officers second. Mm-hmm. And if I have an officer that's not performing or not doing something to the effectiveness of being as safe as he can, it compromises the unit. So at that point, those are tough conversations. But, but I believe in, in this. Always do the right thing and the rest will fall in line. Um, but if I don't, then I'm compromising the integrity of the group because of my self-serving issue of not wanting to be in an uncomfortable, unpopular position. So at times you just got to you got to do the you got to do the unpopular, um, but it'll always benefit you in the long run. I love that quote that you just said. Always do the best thing, and the rest will fall in line. And I think that's something that we almost glaze over. It's so easy to take that 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 path of least resistance, and unfortunately, doing the right thing is is not that that easy path. It's the path that is faced with struggles. It's faced with uh, trials, it's faced with all sorts of things um, that are going to make you, again, uncomfortable. And, and I guess I'm hitting on that pretty hard today. But yeah. uh, I, just, I just love that, you know, as I talk to more and more leaders, that the common theme is you had to get outside that comfort zone. You had to face those things and address those challenges uh, head on. Because right. the longer you put them off, the bigger they get, the more out of control they get. And if you wait, and if you just allow those things to develop, it'll get up to the point where you 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 lose the ability to control them. And it's it's I, I I would I would defer to you on this, but I would say it's better to address it now than to address it later. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm reading the book Crucial Conversations, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also believe in establishing boundaries. If you don't, then if I don't establish boundaries with you and you're a subordinate to me, then you don't know what the boundaries are. And, and human nature is, is the nature is to wander and to explore and to express and to go outside of where you, where you need to be. And if, if I need to have you in a certain boundary area pursuant to the job we're doing, it's not fair to you as a subordinate that I don't have the courage and the intestinal fortitude to let you know. Whether it's uncomfortable or not, I still have to let you know what those boundaries are. And, and that's, a, that's a business model um, that I believe in, um, and, it, and it applies to any business. If, I've got a, if I'm a business owner, which I am, my security company, if I don't establish boundaries with clients pursuant to security consulting matters, then I'm not doing them the service that I need to provide that they're paying me for. Mm-hmm. So that's, it may seem uncomfortable, but it's actually uh, you better deal with it. Otherwise, it'll fester, and, and then, you, then you've got to train off the tracks. That's fantastic. Luke, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you for developing kind of further the ideas and, and the, the, the values that you put forth to the group. And obviously, thank you for speaking to the group. Uh, you know, I hope that our listeners can kind of tune in to some of the things that you brought up. I mean, 
they say that success leaves clues, and I think that as we uh, are able to talk to people like you and, and see leaders in our community um, and, and kind of get that inside view of, of what it takes to be that leader, to get to that position and the decisions that you have to make, uh, I hope that helps uh, our group. I believe it will because it's helping me um, get to that next level. I mean, we're, we should always be striving. We should always be pushing forward. And that's what the, the YBT is about. You know, our goal is to develop, to connect, develop, and inspire uh, young businessmen in our community. And I think that one of the key ways to do that is to constantly be learning, constantly be making ourselves uncomfortable in situations and push ourselves to that next level. So, Luke, thank you for uh, being a part of this and, 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 and participating and helping our group. Absolutely. My pleasure. And uh, God bless everybody that's listening and uh, be safe. And uh, we'll see you at the next uh, luncheon. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the young businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.